Welcome to Get a Grip with Max Homa and Shane Bacon, a production of iHeartRadio. Sports fans, golf fans, or just fans, welcome to another Get a Grip with Max Homa and Shane Bacon. I am Shane Bacon, joined by Max Homa. Max, what's up, man? What's up, man? It's nice to be home. It is hot. Uh, it is very hot, but it is still nice to be home with my dog. So I uh, appreciate that while the sun attempts to take my life. Uh, you were flying home on Sunday. You were uh, very much on the social medias. You were begging for a long playoff. You kind of got the long playoff. I have decided that no place else in this world are you invested in what you're watching more than when you're on an airplane with live television. Did you watch every shot? I mean, were you locked in? I was pretty locked in. It definitely feels like, you know, if there's a sport like soccer or something that I'm not well-versed in and it doesn't interest me, like, extremely, I feel like if you got me on a plane, maybe that's how <laughs> that's how you get me you get me to focus on. I guess, like, you know, I know NASCAR has not, not been doing so well lately. Maybe they just have to put all the United States on a plane and then have only one channel work, and it's NASCAR, and then everyone will be, like, way in <laughs> on the sport. I mean, I've watched every show known a man on a plane and you know i watched a show called shaws of sunset once and i was very uh, i had a, I had a lot of interest in what was going on uh it it kind of did leave right when i got off the plane um but when i get on the plane sometimes i'm like oh yeah i've seen that show i'll flip it on it's it's a grow the game initiative this is actually this will bleed into a flight this is a dumb idea if you want your sport to succeed just have everybody fly while it's going on i like i think it's a brilliant strategy i love that, 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 that we got to tell monahan you uh, you had a good week at the Rocket Mortgage. I want to start with um, anytime you get a chance to play with Bubba Watson, I would like Bubba Watson stories. So can you give me some Bubba Watson stories from this past week? Yeah, there's a million. I mean, the guy is uh, he's probably like the best golfer in the whole world. I would say. I mean, like as far as talent goes. Okay. Um, he's 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 not a real person. <laughs> like he can. I don't think that there's. And we talked about it all four days, really, like me and Joe. I just don't think there's a shot that he couldn't hit, you know, like whether it's around the greens or um, obviously tee to green. I mean, it's just it's pretty outrageous. Uh, My flight for best shot I saw this week is my best shot I've ever seen in my life. Um, (laughs) It was going around Instagram, I think, but it's legitimately that I just don't comprehend that he so on seven it's his par five and he pulled it into sixes fairway which is right so for him he's got to slice it back or go low um up to the green or just punch back down the fairway i guess and um there's a lot of people watching and we are in uh seven's fairway and i look over to the right we're trying to figure out you know what bub is going to do uh and i i see him take a practice swing and i told joe i said oh i saw a pink you know pink pink shaft and then I saw the head. I'm like, oh, my God, he's got driver. And Joe's like, where is he going with this? And I'm like, he's probably going, you know, up and around. He's like, yeah, I think he's going up and around. And uh, I don't typically have the best eyes, but I am so thankful that I caught this one. He hit it. And right when he hit it, I caught the ball, like, you know, at its, you know, maybe like 40 yards off the face. And I looked at Joe and I said, oh, my God, because it was so high. Anybody can hit a cut, you know, low cut with a driver. I mean, any, or anybody on the PJ tour, like that's not that outrageous to do. Um, but he like launched this thing like a hundred feet in the air and it got over the trees and cut, you know, some 35 yards from like 250 
And if it flew, I'm not exaggerating. I think if it flies one more step, it goes, because it was soft that day, it goes within five feet and he kicks it in for eagle. It would have been legitimately, I mean, it would have been the coolest shot you've ever seen. It already was, but uh, he, you know, it hits the bank, comes back down, he chips up to a couple feet and kicks in for birdie. But it is something that I I don't think a, another soul could do. Um, Phil hit it there behind us right after I waited up by the green to watch him hit it. So did Bubba just curious what he was going to do. And he went with that low two wood under the tree and kind of just scraped it over to the left side by the green. And um, yeah, it's just, it's not real life, man. The guy's a freak. Like when, when you're playing typically with anybody, even if it's a Rory or a Dustin, I know you probably catch yourself at times just watching or observing and what they're doing. I know you're obviously focused on your round, but you can't help but look, right? I mean, you're a fan of the sport. You're a fan of sport. I mean, you enjoy seeing great stuff happen by great people. Is Bubba the hardest to not watch? I, I feel like he'd be the most difficult to not want to keep your eyes on during a round. Yeah, I would say um, I would say the interesting thing with him, yeah, for sure, is that like anytime he has a shot, you're pretty curious what he's going to try to do. Right. Because, you know, he – Bo Hosser said it best. I think anybody, if you're behind a tree or something, you can see some crazy shot happening, a low cut, a high draw, a low riser. Like you see them. It doesn't mean that we can all hit them every time, but you see them. But it's really hard when you're in the middle of the fairway to see a ball curve a lot, like in your mind's eye. And so sometimes when we're in the middle of the fairway and he's got a relatively easy shot, you're kind of thinking to yourself, I wonder what, like, wonder what shot he's going to hit here. You know, I wonder if he's going to go with the draw or the cut. Um, he's a tremendous ball striker. I mean, just in the, in the, in the sense of like flush and uh, accuracy, like it's, it's amazing. So like that kind of gets, I wouldn't say overshadowed, but like the curve is cool, but I mean, he, he really does like, he hits them so solid. Like that's the only way you can pull that off. I mean, he got, got in a fairway bunker and, you know, hits this, you know, probably, 10 yard draw. It's just so pure and he just makes it look like r ridiculously easy. So he is just, it's pretty fun playing with him because to your point, like he, he's enjoyable to watch play. I mean, I love watching Rory play, but like when you, once you get past the driver with Rory, like you obviously see it over and over again. And it's pretty, it's pretty much the same thing over and over again. It's don't get me wrong. It's like tremendous. But once you've seen it, it's kind of like, okay, I've seen it. Bubba's is kind of like a new thing every, every time. Like Rory's, you could be like, wow, that went really far, really straight again, you know? And then you get up <laughs> to the ball in the fairway and you're like, wow, that's really far past my drive and right in the middle of the fairway. But it's like that kind of, not in a bad way, like, but you know, the, the, I guess for lack of a better term, like it gets old or you get used to it where Bubba's is, like I said, it's every shot is like a different, like, I don't know. It's like performance art, <laughs> every shot. Um, and it's just, it, it's, it's nutty and it's hilarious to watch because it's just, nobody could think half of that, let alone do it. You know, I, I always am so impressed with the way he starts golf shots because, you know, I'm a guy that likes to move it a lot. You know, I, I like to cut it hard and, and, and I've, I've always kind of been that way. And the thing I've, as I've gotten older and I've noticed with myself personally is it's not so much about moving the ball a lot for me. It's about the start line, because if you are going to cut the ball 40 yards, you have to start it on the correct line for it to end up successful. And what I've always been so impressed with Bubba is that he does move it 40 yards, 
but the start line is always perfect. And I, I don't think Bubba gets enough credit, Max, for how straight he hits his driver. I mean, he hits a lot of fairways, even with the, the movement off the tee and the distance. He hits a lot of fairways. Yeah, he didn't drive it great with us. I, what Joe made a really good point. His uh, He does hit his driver really far, but the drives that go in the fairway aren't actually that far because they he needs them to spin a lot like right uh he, he so so and first off before i forget like this is a perfect public example like i do i do what you just did too like cutting and drawing the ball 30 40 yards like people always say that when i'm sitting on the range sometimes mark will be like how far do you think that drew and i'll be like 12 15 yards he's like it's more like six so we all have like this picture of how much we're actually moving the ball and no one really curves it nearly as much as they think they do but Bubba is the guy who curves it and I mean not every time granted but like some of these shots off the tee are curving you know 30 40 yards um so the ones that he hits in the fairway I mean they still go past like my driver but I mean he had a few that I hit I mean if it spins too much like I hit it you know a couple times on his miss hits like 20 past him but those are the ones that seem to be the straightest when he hits the pull that doesn't cut because it's not spinning enough. That's the one that goes like pretty damn far. Now we played with Matt Wolf those first two days and Matt is hitting it absurdly far. I mean, I went back and looked at his numbers on this drive. He had an 18 he had 188 ball speed, which is like up there near Bryson. So like, it was kind of hard to, um, uh, judge, judge like Bubba's distance off Matt. Cause Matt was like way, way ahead of us. But like I said, when Bubba would hit him straight, uh, and, and in the fairway, they seem to not go like, I mean, they're still going well above average, but they weren't absurd, but when he would hit them with no spin, I mean, they, you could just tell they're coming off like a rocket ship, but he could just, he could do any, it's just amazing. There was a tree in his way on 13 and he would just go over it with driver. And I mean, you're launching it at an absurd amount and his driver's five and a half degrees. And then, you know, the next drive will hit, will come off, you know, head high. It's just like, it's pretty it's just tremendous. Like it is, it is a wild and, and he hit it in some funky places this week. And just every time just has a shot, like can, can figure out how to hit a shot. And, um, you know, he didn't play great on Friday, but he still did some pretty cool stuff. And he's just, he's, he's, like I said, he's probably the, the best golfer in the world in the sense that he, he can, you can put him anywhere and he'll, he could figure it out, but it's just, it does seem for him. It's like, you know, if he's comfortable and, um, if he cares, I guess, you know, I don't know. Uh, he clearly seems to get like agitated at golf courses at times. And when he finds the ones he likes, he just eats them up. And if he's not in that, like mind, like, like that state of mind, I guess, like that's just what holds him back. I'm not really sure. Cause he really is incredible. Um, you know, he, he, he isn't uh, a bad putter. He's probably not a great putter, but when the greens get fast, he's great. Um, so it's an interesting I mean, well, we look, I looked it up because I was just curious. Um, and he, he's made $47 million on the golf course. <laughs> uh, it's just like, it's nuts. I think, and, he, and not saying only, but he's won 12 times. I mean, that's not a crazy number, but $47 million is just like, he's just always around. He always plays, has good seasons. He just, you know, his game is just like, you know, it can, it can, I think his game can adapt to any, any shot, any golf course, he clearly doesn't like some of the golf courses, you know? So it's like that, that, that's where he dominates, you know, Augusta and then he'll, he'll dominate the travelers. And you just kind of like, know he's going to play well at those places. And then he gets places that like the players, I think he says he doesn't like, and like, he doesn't play well there. So it's like the moment he doesn't, he must just, you know, it must be hard to, I, I can't picture what goes on in 
his mind and how he sees stuff. So some must just really not fit him, but it's hard to imagine just because he seems to make everything look so like almost remedial by making it look complex. Cause it's like, you know, Oh, the pins way on the right. Well, I'm going to start on the left edge of the green and hook it. It's not going to overhook. So I'm always going to be fat side. And it's like, man, this is a pretty simple game. <laughs> well, you, you made it look pretty simple on Friday. You finished with four birdies. I was, uh, I was not around on TV, but I, I looked online and caught some of the, highlights and you your first birdie of the four I, and I and I somebody had texted me that you know you'd hit it really good all day and you were kind of waiting for the putts to drop so can you can you run us through the Friday round and just how you were feeling and then try to kind of finish it off with those four straight birdies yeah I played super great on Thursday and put it terrible and um uh and had no bogeys going into the last hole and uh I hit 16 greens in a row uh, to start the day and um, get up and down on eight. We wait like, you know, three hours for the rain delay and come back out to play nine. And I had a pretty good eight iron. It just barely comes up short. And I have this like putt from the fringe up a hill. And I had a pretty good putt to like three feet to miss it. So I'm like really dejected and annoyed. Because it was already a frustrating day. And then I just punted away another shot because of the putter. And then so I came out that next day and I, you know, I was like, oh, you just have to put it better than this. And especially on a course like that where everyone's going stupid low and I can come out and I'm hitting it amazing again. And I'm just making basically, I made a, a couple putts, but I, I mean, they weren't, I made like a 12 footer on the first hole. Like I wasn't really making anything. And did you feel like you were hitting? Like, do you feel like you were rolling it good? Do you feel like they weren't going in? Do you feel like you weren't hitting good putts? Like what was kind of your, where were you mentally as you were kind of going through this good shot, good shot and not getting much out of the putter? Well, I know I'm rolling it okay because I have this like little black and white golf ball that has like a, it's like a seam. So half the ball's white. Half I have black, one of those. Those things the, are great. Yeah. So they show you if you're rolling it well. And I mean, I, you know, on the practice screen, it, it was good every time. So then when I got on the course, okay, I, I definitely knew I've hit like a few bad putts, but like for the most part, I would imagine I'm hitting it them pretty good. And so it just felt like my good putts missed. And then my bad putts also like obviously missed. So it's just like, you know, just nothing wanted to go, but that uh, Friday morning, it's like I got off to a good start. I got to uh, seven, made birdies. I was three through seven. Then I hit a putt on eight that like looks like it has to go in and misses. And hit one on 10 that looks like it has to go in on misses. And so I'm just like doing that a bunch. And then I get to um, 15. And I, uh, you know, I, I was telling Joe, uh, we like had a kind of joke going that day where like I had a quota to make two putts outside of 12 feet and like two outside of 20 for the day. Like that was our goal, like to see if we could do that. And I just kept telling us, you know, he kept telling me or I would tell him like, Oh, this is the one, like just, we're just joking around like being idiots, but this is the one, this is the one, this is the one. And I hit it. And, you know, Joe said it best as it was rolling. It was right in the middle. Like it was going in, but it, I wasn't going to believe it until it hit the actual bottom of the hole. So it just went in and it felt like, sweet relief because it just I, mean, I hit I hit my irons great this week and I hit a ton of greens and it's just like it's a very frustrating game because I would say that let's just say that course was a US open course instead of like the course it was like a setup I feel like I would have you know finished much higher right but when so much of it was like based off of your putting almost um it just was like man like this is it just felt like kind of away so finally getting something going with the putter I made back-to-back -back long ones and it was just like oh my god it just felt like so easy for a moment because I felt like it would just 
it, it, I, I had to hit it to like a foot to feel like I was going to make a birdie pretty much all week. But especially, you know, that Friday, even as I was playing great, it's like, I knew I wasn't going to like miss the cut or anything, but you want to get moving at some point and it's just, you know, you're out there for four or five hours. And it's just like, it gets kind of frustrating when you hit, you know, good drive, good second shot, miss, good drive, good second shot, miss, good drive, good second shot, miss. So it's just like seeing the ball go in the hole, just it, it take, like take some weight off. And then you almost like hold it on the last, right? I mean, it was this thing, the yeah. thing, thing was like, I don't know. I, I watched that a couple of times and I'm not exactly sure how it didn't go in the hole. It looked like it landed short. <laughs> and it just kind of skirted over the edge. Yeah. I, uh, I hit that so good. Joe and I played this week where he, uh, gave me, I didn't know it. Like basically I probably knew for the week, like eight numbers, how far we were. He just would tell me what to hit really and what to do. Basically. Yeah. We gave it a shot. Would he give you a number or would he just sport. say eight iron? No, literally just, uh, no, he'd give me numbers. So sometimes he'd be like that one. He said, hit a one fifty five two yard draw eight iron. And I hit it and it was just like, could not have been more pure. Right. When I, when I hit it, Bubba hit a good shot. It's like eight feet. When I hit it, Bubba said that he, I didn't hear him at first, but he told me he's, he right off the face. He goes, show off. <laughs> <laughs> it was just what a good, it's a golf shot that like, you know, when you picture it, it literally was exactly what I wanted to do. And Joe got the number, like obviously spot on almost one inch off. So he could, he can get to work this week. But um, yeah, so that was a big bonus. Cause 18 is hard. It's the most ridiculous green. I think we play at least for 18 holes. So that was nice. But yeah, uh, one of those days you just want to like keep playing golf. Because uh, it just feel, felt very, very easy, um, and yeah, you know, got myself in contention. Obviously, played myself straight out of it, but it was cool to cool to get on a roll uh, and uh, you know at least be in the what was I third to last group. So that was that was nice. Earlier in the week, when this Bryson stuff starts to come out and we start to hear about this, you know, the, the caddy and player and all this. And I mean, you know, Bryson's kind of dominated the headlines in golf over the last year or so. But is it is it as loud in the player circles as it is in the social media circles or in the golf media circles? Like, are you guys getting I mean, you know, not getting information from the tour, but. I mean, is this stuff that you guys are all talking about and chatting about as, as kind of breaking news is happening? Yeah. Especially cause it happened um, when we were in the rain delay, uh, you know, we came in, everyone obviously grabs their phones and uh, you know, I see this tweet and everyone's starting to see the tweets or whatever, get a text that no laying up put out. And we're like, Oh my gosh. Cause we had all seen Tim the day before on Wednesdays. So we're like, this is bizarre. And I don't really know a whole lot about Bryson and his camp. Like, honestly, of like probably all the big guys. Um, I mean, besides tiger, I guess like we don't, I don't know anything about right what they do. I mean, I feel like he works kind of to himself as much as he does post stuff on like social media. I don't really feel like we know a whole lot um, about, you know, the in, ins and outs of it all. Um, I know Tim has probably the hardest job on planet earth, but it pays really well. Uh, so I, I guess, it was really, it is really loud. Like we were all talking about it. It's interesting. And I'm friends with showman who Ben, who caddied for him the next, that, that, you know, the first two days. And so we called him over and like, just to have, like ask him what, what his thoughts were on how his job was going to go that week. And like, so it is loud, but I, 
I think it's especially loud because Bryson in particular, like being his caddy is different than say like the opposite, like every, every opposite person would be tiger in my opinion. So every player requires something, you know, probably um, personal from their caddy, you know, whether it's like, you know, some people really like their caddy to do what Joe did this week, which is pretty much just give me the club and tell me how, what to do. Some people like the caddy to uh, their caddy to be their like emotional boost. Some like, you know, mo- you know, a combo of those uh, like tiger, for instance, like I would imagine tiger, as far as like great players go, has to be the easiest player to ever caddy for as a golfer, because he really doesn't really ask a whole lot. Like if you listen to his talks with LaCava, a lot of the time he just like, you might ask him if he thinks the wind is, you know, in or maybe more off the right or whatever, but then Joe, Tiger will just grab the club and hit the shot. Right. It's, there's not a lot of talking going on. Um, and he reads most of his putts and, you know, every once in a while, Lakov will come in, but it's mostly Tiger. So obviously the, the, the difficulty with catting for Tiger and where you would need to be specialized is like the management of people and, uh, you know, <laughs> all of the uh, noise because Tiger is great at obviously his mental game, right? Where like I, for instance, love when Joe, um, you know, points things out about my mental. Like, I don't think that's a thing with Tiger. Uh, he's so good at it. So then you look at someone like, um, you know, Brooks, or I'm sorry, Bryson, and it is the dead on like opposite. You have to be involved in every single thing he's doing. Um, when they read putts, they're doing like a numbers, uh, like a formula, basically. I don't know how it works, but you always hear him say like, oh, this is a seven or this is a 12 or whatever it is. And, you know, Tim's very involved and, and he's involved obviously with the shots or, you know, they have like their, their own lingo. So it's a lot. And they obviously practice that a lot and they practice on the range. You know, Tim is very involved and on the putting green, Tim's very involved. So like it's a, there's a lot going on. Like it's way more than mostly anybody. So I guess the reason that it's especially noisy amongst the players when this news broke was more so everybody was, you know, I think Caddy's come and go, you know, like, let's just say, um, let's just say, uh, who's a good example. Uh, let's just say JT uh, and Jimmy Johnson broke up. I mean, it wouldn't be insane. I don't think it would like take over headlines and JT's, you know, the second or third best player in the world, third best player in the world. Right. So it's even, I know, I know Bryson is the needle, but like at the moment, but like JT is a better golfer at the moment and it wouldn't be that crazy. I mean, when bones came in, it wasn't like some huge, you know, it was cool news. It wasn't huge news. Like, how is he going to do this? But with Bryson, I think everybody has literally, like everyone I talked to was like, who can caddy for him? Like, right, right, exactly. Who has it all? Like, so that's why we kept talking. Like, Joe couldn't do it. No shot. Joe would lose his mind. Joe would lose his mind in a million different ways because, you know, you're, you're, you're already managing Bryson, who's a bit different and obviously gets a little bit emotional at times, as we all do. So you're already doing that, which you have to do with most players. Then you're managing the numbers, which you have to learn. Like, you have to go through all that. Now you're also asking somebody to be on the range at some times till midnight trying to figure out, you know, uh, you know, Y equals MX plus B, <laughs> you know, like the slope of the slope of his, you know, golf swing and, and all that. I don't know how I remember that. I'm so very impressed. I'm lot, very, very man. impressed a right now. A lot is going on, man. So like, there's not a lot of people that can do that now for sure. Does it pay great? And do I think it's an awesome job? hundred percent. If I was like a, you know, 
it's like the old DJ thing. If I was 25 years old and I was offered a caddy for him, but I had to pretty much end my life for a year or two years, I'd be like, sure, man. Like I, I'll set it down for two years and, and then I'll make my money. And maybe then I'll be like, you know what? I'm done. You know, like I, I, I'm good. So right now, like I'm really, really, really curious who will work the best. Like he's going to get a ton of people. I'm sure caddies already have been reaching out. Like the moment that happened, like they, I'm sure a lot of people would leave the bag they're on right at this moment to go caddy for him because he's so good. But I don't know if that's going to work long-term. And this Tim thing seemed like it was working really well. That's why it's interesting that, you know, from the sound of it, I mean, I don't, I don't know any, I I literally don't know any more than anyone else, but from like the news break, like Tim left Bryson. So it wasn't like Bryson was over what Tim was doing. So he's got to find somebody that can do that. And it's going to be hard, man. I mean, my, opinion and like i said bryson has a lot on his plate when he goes through these numbers i do think he needs somebody to do it with him to speed it up and and to take a load off his brain so man it's gonna be i i truly don't know like like i think the interesting person i think would be really good at it good good uh, at this job but he would never go there and, and nor should he is scovran like scovran's super super cerebral and he's he's really patient and like he likes to work hard and, and all that. So like he, to me fits the idea, but he's got Ricky Fowler. You don't, you're not leaving Ricky Fowler. <laughs> right. um, you know, he's the nicest guy. He's one of the best golfers in the world. No, he hasn't been playing great, but he's been playing better. And I mean that, that, so that's the thing is like, now you have to, now, now our, now our pot of, of caddies is even smaller. Cause it's like, okay, I need a great caddy. Well, what caddy ha- is going to leave their great player? And it's like, not very many, like that's, going to be the interesting thing like do we see a big time caddy be like you know what i'm gonna make a jump and see if i you know go to bryson if that you know is a better move for their their lives so it's gonna be it's i don't know i'm really this is this is cool like golf stuff that i think this is this is gonna be a this is a serious like auditioning uh uh, um, like moment for people. Like it, it's, it's going to be hard. I don't think that there's very many people that can, that can fill Tim's shoes from, from what at least we see from the outside looking in. Yeah. I, I, I keep going back to, to kind of Steve Williams and, uh, and Tiger break it up. And, and I, and I, and, and you make the point and you made a great point and laid it out perfectly about the way Tiger works. Tiger, very independent in terms of his golf, uh, his golf abilities and his personal caddy abilities. But I mean, you do need somebody that understands, you know, the world that Tiger lives in, not many people can understand, you know, kind of the circus that falls around this guy that's a way bigger superstar than the sport typically has involved in it, right? And Tiger and Stevie would do that well, I feel like. I'm with you. This is going to be very interesting. I I think th- I think Bryson leaned on Tim as much as any player leans on a caddy in, in the game. I, I think that's probably fair to say. And, you know, Max, I, I don't know if people told – I wanted to get into caddy and just in general uh, just for a little bit because I don't think people totally understand – kind of the duties of a caddy. And so I wanted to get into this. Now, if, if you're cool with it, I'm just going to go through some of my personal experiences because I caddied for a couple <laughs> of friends of mine on the LPGA tour back in the day. You know, this was probably 10, 10, 11, 12 years ago. But one of the things that really shocked me was the amount of time that you spend out of the course without your player. So a lot of caddies are out there walking the golf course on Tuesdays and Wednesdays, even when the player's not out there, you know, marking off distances to make sure the books are correct to, to the yard. Um, they're doing a lot of survey work, if you will, earlier in the week, even when the players aren't there. And then the thing that I think shocked me as much as anything was, and and you've touched on this already with Bryson and Tim, is the time spent on the range after rounds, even before tournaments, 
it is a long, long time that you're there with your player as they're practicing. It's a lot of lonely time because they're just hitting range balls and you're just kind of sitting there watching, observing, cleaning clubs, you know, doing kind of that part of the job. Um, and, and so I was going to ask you just what are some things that caddies do that are jobs of caddies that maybe people at home don't understand as a part of the gig? Great, great question. The the biggest misconception, at least from like a, as a one-liner, is everyone's always like, oh, I'll caddy for you. I'm great at reading greens. And it's like, it's like so not, um, that's, that almost brings no value. Because it's not essential, right. ability to out-read greens compared to me is going to be a really small amount, if any, right? So like that's not really helping us. But what they do is, like you said, like if we don't play 18 holes or even sometimes when we do in a practice round, um, Joe will go walk the course and get all the numbers off these heads. So uh, why that's important is because when we show up to the tournament on Thursday, we're not getting to a head that might be near the ball that we don't have a number on or that, or that it hasn't been checked. So like it could say it's 7135 front, but uh, you know, a lot of the times, especially if it's a new yardage book or something, uh, they'll be like, no, that's actually 173. Now that's rare. The tour yardage books are pretty uh, kept up to date, but like I've been at web, dot com tournaments where they aren't uh, the right numbers really all the time. Um, just a little off here and there. So just that's, that's minimizing like thought as we get out on the course, you know, I look at this sprinkler head and I'm like, Oh, that's, you know, exactly. Um, you know, that, that, that's the sprinkler head. That's for, you know, 135 front, even though it doesn't have any numbers on it. Like we know that. And so they do a lot of that. Now, Joe's even, you know, when we've had late tea times um, at some events, if he's, if he's, uh, up for it. Like he'll go to the course early and, and just see how it's playing. Um, you know, maybe sit on a hole. Um, you know, then like you said, the worst part at the time, I feel the worst for Joe, especially if my coach is there is like when we're just banging balls and it's like, he's just standing there and I, I get it. Like sometimes I've told him like, you can get out of here. Like just, you know, I, I almost, it's almost distracting how like, obviously like helpless he can right, be, right. you know, which is like, you know, and I, I, I don't, you know, I, I just, for, for me, it's like, I'd rather just sometimes just like, just have my clubs and just hit and not, you know, that's how I do it at home. Now, if I feel like I want somebody there to talk to, obviously I'll, I'll have him stay. And it doesn't happen often that he like leaves, but at times it's like, man, what I'm just making your day more miserable. Um, and then, yeah, they, they do. I mean, they do all the main stuff. They basically like a caddy's main gig in my opinion for the most part uh and i would say this is like as close to uniform across the board uh as i can make it is is they're just trying to make uh give us the ability to go out and only play golf and not think about one other thing i think that's like the the goal consensus as close as i think everybody probably has that common denominator where it's like the caddies are just really there to make sure that they can answer every question and we don't really have to think a lot. Like they're at least think the least amount possible. So, I mean, I, I know some players are, are kind of divas about it in the sense that like they need them to do, you know, all the, uh, what would it be like the housekeeping type, right, type right, of stuff. Right. Um, I'm not really big on that, but at times, you know, like when I, um, especially when I'm in contention or something, like if there's always a water in my bag in an odd way, it just helps. Cause if I reach into the bag, there's a water, like I don't have to waste any like energy wondering, like, you know, oh man, like I got to wait till the next hole for water, you know, like some stuff like that. Like I can see that where there's value at times and it sounds dumb, but when you're out there, like the more single-minded you can be, the more locked in you're able to be. And like, I feel like that's, that's a, that's probably the most value they all they all bring, but like I said, everyone's got ins and outs. Like my Joe is really good at, at, at a uh, feel of golf shots. Um, 
And that's where I lean on him the most. Um, and, and some people, like I said, Tiger doesn't do that really at all. He, he does most of it. Um, you know, Joe reads a lot of my putts, but, uh, we've gotten to the point where, you know, like sometimes I'll read them, sometimes he reads them. It's not like a one's better than the other. Like it's a lot of, it's just a lot of, um, uh, I don't know how to put it, I guess, but just like a comfort thing. So everybody's got kind of their own little ticks or whatever, but speaking of the caddy thing, Shane, um, how awkward was it that the Tim and Bryson commercial kept playing during the tournament? <laughs> Oh my gosh, it was unbelievable. I wrote I wrote it on Twitter. I've always laughed at this. You know, I, I and you mentioned Joe Scovern earlier. I know he's a good buddy of yours, um, pal of pal of the show. You know, he's caddy for Ricky Fowler forever. And there's been some Ricky commercials in the past where Scov's not a part of it. And I've always been confused at why that is. I mean, I'm assuming it's, you know, I don't want to pay another guy or fly him out or whatever. Now I think I have the answer. It's it's in case the caddy yeah. gets canned, then you don't have to worry about the person yeah. being in the commercial. It is it was crazy the first time I saw it. I, I was I was floored. But um, yeah, I guess I guess that answers one of my one of my questions. Can I can I just say one more thing, Max, about caddies? You know, you we you and I've joked a lot on this podcast about this. You don't you don't have a caddy. Joe's got something going on, or or it's some area, and you get you know fifty people message you on Twitter. Hey, I could caddy for you. Caddies on the PGA Tour are professional caddies, much like you guys are professional golfers. I don't think people totally understand how good caddies are that do it professionally because they are unbelievable at their jobs. They, they know every inch of every golf course. They know every whole location and where it's at before it's even cut. Like you said, they think about stuff like the bottles of water in your bag or you, you know, there's food that you want in there and there's snacks and your whole location sheet. It's like always thinking for the player so the player never has to think. And that's the thing I've always been so impressed about with caddies and when you're around them is they are pros and it shows a lot of the time. Yeah. And like I, I you know, when, when uh, I've, I've bounced around from caddy to caddy, uh, especially more on the web tour. And it's just funny because it does seem like from the outside it wouldn't be a particularly hard job. Um, and I get that. But I've had a bunch of caddies that I imagine some would say that they liked or are good caddies. And I'm like, man, they're, they're not, you know, they're not like, there's another level to like great caddies. In my opinion, again, it, a lot of it is based off of what you need or w w what that player needs. But you know, when I've had random people caddy for me, even, even some club like caddies, you know, when I'm just having a fun day and you could tell, you know, sometimes when they get like a guy, you know, on the PJ tour, you could tell they want to like, show out a little right, bit right. And it's like man you're really you know you do last littlest things but they <laughs> say a lot of things yeah it, it's almost it's overdone and, and and or or it's like there's just areas that i can't explain it but it's not about reading greens it's not there's a lot more that goes into it and like i said i would say that if you if you actually had a week where you cut out all caddies talking to the players about the shots and you only went off for like the maintenance of like the player and, and, and the, the, I guess the boring stuff, that's where their biggest separation would be. Not, you know, Joe, not for Joe, really. Joe is great at the golf field stuff, but when it comes to just like having the answers to everything, like you said, before we, uh, before we'd even think of asking them so that when it comes up, it's like right off the top of their head, there's very rarely a case I think I've ever had where I asked Joe a question and he had to like, think about it. Like he was already ready for that question. And I think that is, um, and that, like I said, that is the truest value. Now I'm lucky that I have a caddy who also does a lot of other things. Phenomenal that like somebody I can trust literally to not, 
I didn't have to look at a number this week and I know I'm not like apprehensive about any shot. Like I have somebody who I think is great. Um, and, and so that's just a bonus, but that you have to be good at the first part um, to even think that you can bring value with the second part, because it's going to be hard enough to play great golf. If you're, if you're concerned about all of your X, Y's and Z's, you know, like crossing your T's down your eyes, like that should be done before you get there. And then you just get up there and play. Ran, a random question. You don't even have to answer it if you don't want to. But um, uh, you're a very relaxed, chill human being. Joe's a very relaxed, chill human being. What's the maddest you've ever been at Joe on the golf course? And what's the maddest he's ever been at you? If you have an answer. Uh, the maddest he's been at me, he yelled at me this year. Like, literally yelled at me. Um, at Pebble on Sunday, I was playing great. I think it was Sunday, Saturday or Sunday. I was playing great. And then I made double on five. So I think I was like three under through three, doubled five or something. And I pulled it into the left bunker on six on my second shot. And I had a really awful lie. And I hit this really good bunker shot. And it hit the right where I was looking in the rough. And it bounced dead left instead of dead right. And it went to like 25 feet instead of what I thought, you know, could have gone to five. And I was being insanely picky. And I was also being like a brat. And I like was bitching about it as I walked to the bag. And he yelled at me to like calm down, like, it was not like I looked at him after. I was like, all right, man, like chill out. Like you, I was almost like, you can't yell at me. Like I know that we know each other, but you can't yell at me like that in front of all these people. And he came over right after when I was reading right after I actually made the putt. So I guess it worked, but after I made the putt, he walked over to me and Joe's not a big apologizer. And he came over and goes, dude, I'm so sorry. Like I, you know, I snapped it, but he, but he told me, he said that on five, when he was raking the bunker, his back went out. And he didn't know, yeah, it was Sunday. He didn't know if he was going to be able to like keep going. And he was really stressed out. And then I was bitching about everything. And on top of it, like he, you know, he's in pain. So I was like, <laughs> so that was the most mad he seemed to ever, at least outwardly get at me. He doesn't really get, I could tell he gets annoyed at me, but it's, it's never been about a golf shot. It's every time it's been about just my attitude. Right. And the most mad I've probably ever been at him. Uh, I mean, there was one time, uh, this is like our go-to story, but at, Pe at Pebble again, at Spyglass, like a rookie year, maybe number six is like uphill par four. It's really hard hole, long hole pins in the back where it always is for the tournament and short, the ball rolls down to kind of like 60 feet putt, but long, long. I've basically seen 80% of the people go long, make double. There's just nothing you can do back there. It's horrible back there. It's horrible. It's awful back there every time. And I know that course really well. And, you know, we're standing there in the fairway and Joe knows well too. And I remember over between five and six iron and he's just like, dude, six is just not going to get there. It's not going to get there. Like we're going to just hit, you're hitting it into the middle of the hill. and It's going to come all the way back. And I said, Joe, and, and I, I very rarely, like, I think this is why I was mad. I very rarely, I feel like really argue with him much about a shot. And I was like, Joe, I cannot be long. I just cannot be long. Like that's, I know we're in between, but that means we cannot hit the five. And he just totally convinced me to hit five and caddy nightmare situation. I hit it as flush as I could hit it right at the pin and you can't see it's blind. There's nobody up there and we get up there and it's long. And I was seeing like red and I made double and it was by like, not by far, but it was pretty much going away. The most mad I've ever been because I said like, Hey, <laughs> you know, like this, <laughs> 
I, I literally just spoke this one into existence. <laughs> and, uh, and so I don't know. So, so that's the worst. I don't really get that mad. I mean, I've been mad at a situation and probably made him think I was mad at him. Like at, at Tory at the U S open, I remember I had this eight iron and I gave him a look. I don't think I've ever given him because I flushed this thing right at it. And it's so beautiful. And it comes up short in the bunker. And I was already like tilting. I had like five holes ago trying to make that cut. And I just, I remember I handed him the club and I was like, I wasn't really mad at him, but I also was not happy. You know? Right. Right. Like right. that was different. Cause I, I could walk to the side and know that that was not on him. It was on both of us. So I wasn't like I was mad at him, but that was probably the dirtiest look I've ever given uh, <laughs> anybody. Maybe I was—I felt bad after, but I was just not in a good mood. But for the most part, like like I said, I I know that if we make a decision, it's as much on me as it is on him. Now, there's obviously areas I'm sure he would agree that, like, sure, like it would help to have you know maybe one of us be right and like whatever. But I don't really get that mad. Maybe maybe right off the jump in my head, I'm like you know. A little annoyed but when the only that's why the only time i think i've really ever got like mad mad was when i was like leaning on hey we can't be here right and then we go there and it's like i you know it, that that's the only time i've like i said i've ever gotten like upset at him but i dude, it's a hug it's a impossible job so uh, obviously at times in the heat of the moment like we get upset and you see players get mad at their caddy and, and most of them are most of the players are, are being babies and they're they're just too soft to admit that they messed something up themselves so they take it out on them and i i don't like that um but it is an emotional game and i get where people kind of like lose it um you know and, and sometimes that's you know that's another part of the caddy job is you sometimes you gotta take it i don't really give it out very much so <laughs> you know that that's but i just don't see any value in it but some players do you know how have you this kind of leads into a good uh, discussion point because, you know, there's been a lot of talk about kind of mental health and where everybody's been at uh, mentally in sports and in golf, uh, specifically over the last couple of months. You talked about this at the start of the year. I mean, you said you were really going to work on your mind and how you were on the golf course mentally. How do you feel like you're doing right now in terms of kind of composure and positivity and keeping yourself kind of in the moment? I was pretty awful at both the U S open and especially awful at the travelers. I told Joe after Thursday's round, I played really well Thursday. I was not in a good mood at all. Um, ball wasn't going in the hole, but I, was, I played awesome. I turned four under into one under, I think I had like three, three putts. I was just not in a good mood. No positivity. Just, I didn't want to be there anymore. And I think a big part of it is we're in like the back middle of the season. I have yet to have two weeks off. I think this year, uh, in 2021 it's just been like a lot of golf and i was just very much not in a good headspace and then i ended up missing that cut and uh played well again on friday and just finished you know poorly and i went back and i was over it and i like called um i was gonna withdraw from rocket mortgage and and um i was just gonna go home i was i was just done and um you know i ended up going getting a bunch of beers with my two joes griner and scov and and end up you know we went on a little uh, two day kind of golf, like fun thing. Like I went and played with these random guys, shout out to all those, Mike, Sam, and, uh, John went to new Haven and I drank a bunch of white claws or high noons and <laughs> just tried to forget about like, you know, how, you know, how frustrating golf can be and try to like, just enjoy myself. Right. Um, so it, but it was bad. And then this week, you know, I really had a long talk with Mark and Joe before the week started and, um, just basically like I, I got to figure out I need help 
being more positive and I, I need to make it fun. So I had come up with the idea to have Joe do all the numbers so that when, if I did hit it over a green, I could look at him and be like, all right, you suck. I don't suck. <laughs> and, uh, and, and it's just amazing. Like, yeah, as me as a person, man, I give everybody like so much benefit of the doubt and I give everybody the longest leash in the world. And like, no one really in my life can make me that mad or make me disappointed in them. Like I almost always will find, um, an angle to be like, no, you're good. Like you could, you could do pretty much anything to me. You could punch me in the face and I'd still find a way to like forgive you. And yeah, for myself, anytime I do something bad, if I fan an eight iron, I think I'm the worst human to ever walk. And it's like, so this, that's why we did this. And it was like a nice, I had a really fun week. I really enjoyed playing with Bubba and Matt. Matt is one of my favorite kids out here. Um, and it was really enjoyable to be with him. And then, I just felt like even on Saturday, I played really well. And we, you know, we just like ball just wasn't getting close. I was in over some greens, short of some greens. It was Joe's only like, he only had like four, four numbers that really weren't good. And they kind of came that day and I put like crap again. So it's just one of those interesting um, weeks where it's like, it shows you that if you can just kind of chill out and, and be that positive person, um, you know, it can at least free you up to play some, some or to perform better at whatever you're doing. But, uh, you know, it's just as much as my goal of this year has been to be positive mental is like you have these times where just like if you, you lose, but again, like you're allowed to stop doing that at any point and start going back in the right direction. And like, that's kind of what I was trying to do after travelers. Cause I definitely noticed, I, I mean, he noticed it too. I was like, Joe, I'm burnt out, man. Like, I don't want to be here. Like, this isn't fun. I know I have a dream job. I know all this stuff and I'm sure everybody in the world would like, would want to do what I do, but I'm just saying like, it's, you know, like it's July and I've had, you know, just a lot of weeks on the road and golf is hard. We, I've won one time this year and everyone still congratulates me on it, but I've also lost, you know, like 16 times <laughs> and lost to more than one person 16 times. And it's a very frustrating game. You miss cuts and all this stuff and you, you play good. And, and this has definitely been the best my golf game has ever been uh, for all season. So it's like, it's, I don't, it's almost hard when I'm playing really bad. It's almost better because in a weird way, because I go home and I have this very obvious thing I need to get better at. But this whole year, it's like, I haven't done anything that's been that bad. I have some weeks where I put it not great. Some I chip it not great, but like nothing that's glaring. So it's like, a, it's just the game of golf as, as a job is, is exhausting in that manner. Um, so, but like I said, it's a good reminder that at times, you know, you got to like reset and, 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 be aware enough to be like, Hey man, like you're not happy right now. Like, you know, you need to get happier. And I talked to my buddy who's been helping me with the mental stuff. And I texted him and he said a great point. Cause he played baseball back in the day. And he was like, you know, um, you know, life is the game. So being successful at life would be being happy. The game is not all this, this, uh, stupid, you know, sports and the, uh, the games that like humans have come up with. You right. Know? Right. Right. Like when you listen to sports talk radio, it's like, why, you know, why is Kevin Durant going here? Why is he going here? He shouldn't go here. It's like, we made this game up and you're now telling this man how to live his life. You know, let him live his life. Like I, I was, I, 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 I unfortunately saw messages. I probably shouldn't have on Twitter on Saturday about all these, you know, these, um, uh, sports gamblers or whatever pissed off at me. And somebody said that, you know, I'm 15. I, I had signed a golf ball for a kid that I had heard. And I wasn't playing great at the time I was even. I heard this kid and his dad kept saying, oh, this Max is your, you know, Max, uh, you're his favorite player. Like, can you sign a ball? Can I sign a ball? And after I hit my tee shot, I walked over and gave him a golf ball. And it's kind of out. I don't do that ever, but I did. It was a nice little kid and, you know, whatever my goal. 
again, not goal, but like, I was just like, why wouldn't I do that at right. this moment? Like it's easy. And you know, these people are on Twitter or this guy on Twitter. It's like, I saw it on the featured holes and like, it's like, you just gave up. Like, why would you break your thing? It's like, man, cause like this game that you are obsessed with, I'm also obsessed with, but this is not like the end all be all. Yeah, it like, doesn't define I'm you. I'm having not a great day. I don't need to blow, uh, not, uh, not a great day. I don't need to blow this kid off when I could literally take eight steps left instead of eight steps forward to go like make this kid day. And so it's been nice, at least, like I said, again, a little, everybody needs that at times, a little reminder of, Hey, you know, you're being a, a brat. Like you need to, you need to reset and start, start back over. Yeah. It's, you know, you, you mentioned you play with Matthew Wolf, you play with Bubba Watson. We're talking a little bit about the, the, the kind of the mental health thing being in the forefront of of professional golf and professional sports this year in particular, you know, as a guy that has, you know, spent his years on the web as a guy that has spent his years on the PJ tour as a guy that had, you know, a year and a half or so on the PJ tour where, you know, you didn't have the game you needed to be a professional golfer. Can you, I mean, even, and now, now this year where it's going really well for you, what is it like, you know, on the road, all these weeks in a row and all these weeks out of your year, you know, what is it like? And I mean, this is, you know, not, you already said it, you got a great job. And I mean, nobody's going to argue with that, but at the same time, like what is life like mentally as a pro golfer kind of speaking in the same breath as some of these guys have talked about the loneliness out there? Yeah. I just think for everybody, it's just, it's just hard um in, in any light like you have henry right and you love henry henry's the like best part of your world right yet there's probably times where he won't stop crying when he was a baby we're like yo <laughs> like let's lock it up right lot. yeah yeah and it's like yeah but it, i think you know i tweeted this thing last week after i had talked to joe and mark and it was it was like very relieving to get it off my chest and like just talk and um, it'll only ever be between us two and like Lacey, but arresting Lacey, but like, it just felt good to talk about. And, you know, I tweeted something about how, like, you know, it's okay if you don't feel okay, but you got to get it out. Like you got to talk to somebody about it. And if, if your friends are really your friends, they're going to want you just to be happy. And they're going to either say like, Hey, you're, you know, don't worry about that. Like, that's not what's, you know, that's not what, you know, we're not judging you based off of that. We're judging you on if you're being happy and if you're trying, and if you're, you know, whatever. And so I tweeted that basically because it was like, you know, you got to, it's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to talk about things like, you know, after Friday of Travelers, I called Lacey and I was like, I need, like, she wasn't planning on coming to Detroit. And I was like, I need you to come if you can. Like, I just don't want to be here at all. And, um, and, you know, she's kind enough to, you know, come out and, and made the week so much better, uh, not thinking about golf for, you know, seven days in a row. But that's, that's the thing, man, like with any job, but I'll just speak on my own. It's like, I, I, I am an obsessed human being when it comes to what I do. If when we do this podcast, I want it to be the best thing in the world. When I play golf, I want it to be the best thing in the world. You know, Mark always kind of gets on me about being a perfectionist, but I can't fix that. So we try to work around it. And it's like, part of that is I just never stop thinking about this. And most of the guys don't. So we our our identity. Unfortunately, it, 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 deep down, it's not that we're golfers. We're, we're just people, you know, like everybody else, but, our identity is in golf. We live in a, uh, this weird sport where at the end of every week or even the end of every day, there's a number next to my name that tells me how good I am. And it's hard. It's, it wears on you, you know, like right now, um, you know, or last week I am the 25th best 24 people beat me. It's like, you know, you, you know that every single week of your life and every day, and you know, you have one bad day and it's like, Oh, you were the 140th at 144th 
you know, best player here. Like that's not good. And you just keep living with that. I think I had the highest score on Saturday that a bunch of people reminded me of. And, you know, it's just, a, it's a lot. And you're doing something that you, I love golf, but of course there's times where I hate it because right. I hate it because I should love it. And I, I, I think my biggest jealousy of people who play golf, like you, Shane, like who, who love golf and get to play golf once in a while. And I'm sure you're jealous of how much I get to play golf, but I get jealous of, of people in your shoes where you get to just go have fun and play golf. And it's like, man, I don't ever do that. That's why Saturday with, with those guys was so fun because I really just went and had fun and I did not care where the ball went and I just played and you know what's funny is I hit it. You know, I played great. And it's like, it's weird, but the less you care, but I didn't even care that I played great. You know, like it's right. the funny part is I truly didn't care. I was just having fun and I don't have that escape in anything. Like I can play video games here and there, but like, I, I can't do it that much. Cause you know, when I come home this whole year, like when I come home, I go practice. Like I, that's my job. Like I'm, if you're a professional, like that's what you do. You go work out, you go work at getting better and you live it every single day and golf. I think I was talking to somebody about this. Uh, that's another golfer. It's like, Golf, I does it does feel like one of the only things, uh, as far as a job goes, whether it's athletics or 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 in in you know the business world or whatever, where every single thing we do is tailored to getting better or maintaining your golf game. Like when you leave the golf course after a, 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 a you know tournament round or a practice round, you go home. You go back to the hotel, you don't, you kind of try to stay off your feet. You try to eat something that's going to give you some energy. And then you like wake up and you do it all. It's basically like groundhog day over and over and over again. And I'm not saying that other jobs aren't like strenuous or whatever, but like, if you think about football, first off, football has an enormous off season. We have four weeks <laughs> off. So it's, it's tiring. And also football, you know, have some weeks that are, are a little bit different. Not everything you're doing is, is perfectly tailored throughout an entire year to, to maintenance. Like we are trying to make, we're not even trying to get much stronger. We're trying to stay the exact thing we are right now at all times, you know, and like here and there, you'll, that's why Bryson thing's so amazing. You'll, you'll make a jump and try to change it, but it's risky. So it's like, it's just very monotonous at times. And then again, it's mind numbing because we also, somebody, we went to a Tigers game. A bunch of players were there. Went to Tigers game on like Friday night. And somebody asked me if you could trade, lives with uh, if you could be you my like my exact salary um and, and everything but play baseball instead would you and i said yeah i said what like not i didn't even like think about it i said yeah and he goes well why i said because it'd be nice to win more than once in a blue moon like <laughs> it'd be nice to have a bad day and win you know like i have a bad day and i just get crushed by not only myself but everybody that i suck and it's like man like you know Giannis Such a good point. Hearing about going to the finals, the guy didn't even do anything the last two games. He was hurt. It's like, man, what does that feel like? That you, the whole world, or that your whole world isn't on your own back? Like that gets exhausting, man. Like nobody puts that pressure on me but me. But it's hard, man. I got Mark. I got Joe. I got Lacey. I got Scotty. I got my parents. I got her parents. I got everybody. And it's like it's an exhausting thing. So, but it's amazing is they don't expect any of that from me. But I, you know, we do, and that's where it gets hard and it gets lonely when you're on the road without your family and all you're doing. So again, like it's not a pity party. I have the coolest job on the planet, but as far as the mental part of golf, it is tough. And I love when people like Matt come out and speak about it. And when Bubba speaks about it and when NASA, uh, Hataoka, uh, in tennis spoke about it. And I like that because man, like I just, 
it's not that I want people to feel bad for me or for us, but I just like, I it's think everybody in. should know that yeah, everybody has things that I would envy and I have pe- things people, other people would envy, but we all like should do our best to appreciate what we all have. And yeah, man, like I got a lot of money and I get to play a game where I get to compete and I get to play golf and I can play any golf course in the whole world. My life is sweet, man. But I also don't get to just have fun and do it. Like it's just every day. It's like, how'd you play? Like even when I play with these kids, we have like this little gallery came out to watch us. It's like, I feel that like, Hey, if I hit a bad shot, you know, in my own head, like people are going to talk about how I hit a bad shot. There's, there's just a lot. And, but again, like I speak on this for, for, and I think about this, not just for myself, but just for everybody and everything. Like, it's just, I get it. Like life, life is, it can be, it's just, it can be uh, redundant and really hard. And, and sometimes talking to people about it and getting that off your chest, man, it felt really good. Like I borderline started like crying because you could feel it was like emotional release. You know, when your stomach's like in a knot and it's like, it's almost like you let it breathe and it's like, whoa, your whole body like fills with endorphins. It's like, man, like this is nice to get off my chest because you know, I don't like to complain about this gig because it's badass, but it's a grind. It's not complaining, you know, and, and if anybody ever takes it as a complaint, they're incorrect. I mean, it's just talking about things in a real way. You know, it's it, it's yeah. I, I always think about defend like defending your life or what you do or where you're at in your life. And, you know, if you're lucky enough to be in a position where you're playing on the PGA Tour or you have a, cha- a show with Golf Channel. You know, or you get to do a podcast with a buddy of yours that also plays on the PGA Tour. Like, these are awesome things. I mean, nobody's nobody's saying they're not awesome, but you can also have hurdles within those things. And that's just being a human. And I think that's what you speak so well about is that while you're while you're so happy about who you are and what you're doing, there are still plenty of hurdles you have to go over each and every week. And that's part of life. And that's part of the job. I want to I want to transition to somebody that has a job that a lot of people watch that's going to be in your world come Tuesday. And that's Aaron oh, Rodgers. Have you talked to Aaron about his golf game? Where are we at with the match? Yeah, the golf game, it, it, it's not. Uh-oh. It's going to be uh, a, um, <laughs> how do I put it? It's going to, it's like going to be like the grab bag of gift cards. Like okay. it might be a $5 <laughs> Chili's. It might be a $50 Starbucks. Like we're not, we're not super sure. I know he's been working at it. But he also has been, you know, working out and all that. He also has a real job. He has another another job that he has to focus on. Yeah, but he has the Tahoe tournament at the end of this week, too. So, I guess it's a big golf week for the guy. Um, But I'm not – I'm not – I think we're getting – you know, when you mentioned your your, uh, qualifier a couple – like a month or two ago where you were, like, just not really sure about what was going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like that's more where we're sitting. Um, But I'm excited to watch. I mean, he is really good at talking shit, and he's very smart, and he's – He's with one guy who I don't think knows how to very well. Uh, <laughs> then he's with uh, Tom Brady, who, uh, you know, he seems like he you know, does it more uh, with his, uh, his action than, than, than with the jabs. And then we have Phil, who Phil's a volume shooter. Phil will just throw out as many jabs <laughs> as he possibly can and hope one of them hits you for a laugh. Uh, so I like my part. I like, I like Aaron's chances in that part for sure. He's, he's the, he's the, Huge favorite in the in the trash talk uh, department. Give me a give me just a scouting report on the Aaron Rodgers golf game. You've you've had a chance to play some golf with them under the lights. Uh, what what is great about the golf game? What's the part of the game that if there were 
you know, if, if there were parts that might not show up on Tuesday, what would be the one you might circle in terms of the part of his golf game? He has the will to win. Like he, he'll will the ball in kind of like what I guess every great athlete seems to have even in golf, like even Tom Brady and like holding out, right. He's playing awful and holds out. Like it just doesn't make sense. So he's got that. He's competitive. He's, he's, he's smart. His game is really like, he drives it quite well. He hits it pretty far. It's a big cut. And, um, anytime he seems to have a full swing number, he hits it really well. He doesn't have a lot of off speed and he, and he's a pretty good putter again. Like he'll will that thing in. He's not a very good chipper. Um, so he needs to, um, when, when he's hitting greens, he's, he's vibing. Um, but I, the driver is his strength. Like when that's on, it's, it's, it's pretty awesome. Um, he doesn't have like, there's not a glaring weakness. I mean, he's, you know, he's like an average, average golfer. So he, he has, you know, some days obviously where it's, it's not, you know, he, you might say like, Oh, that's the weakness of his game. But, um, in general, that's how he plays. Um, and it's pretty good. I mean, he's a really big guy and he's, he's obviously really strong. Uh, so when he smashes it, he, he can get out there pretty good. And he's got great feel in, in that regard, like with where his swing goes. So I like that part, but um, you know, he obviously, like you said, he has a pretty big job. <laughs> he didn't get to play a lot of golf. He's, he's got to focus on the thing that actually pays him. Um, I want to get yeah. into some flights. You had a tweet you sent out this week and I, and this plays into one of my flights. That's why I'm bringing it up. You said this tournament and talk about the rocket mortgage. You said this tournament is awesome. The course is cool. The fans are fun and rowdy, and they do a lot for their city. That being said, some of the grandstands are in some really strange places. If you watch the playoff, you watch 18, uh, you saw a lot of signage. You saw a lot of grandstands along the fairways, which brings me to one of my bad ideas. And I i don't know if this is going to be Rocket Mortgage specific, but I, I just feel like if you hit it in the grandstand, you should have to play out of the grandstand. If it stays in the grandstand. Now, a few people on Twitter when I brought this up said, well, you know, you're, you might not have a swing. Well, obviously – Maybe there's a marked off area, but I just feel like we saw Tony Romo do it once. We've seen Phil Mickelson do it. It's off carpet, Max. I mean, it's like hitting on the mats at a range. It seems like it'd be easy to do. Uh, yeah, I've only seen like a handful of balls ever actually like stay up there, I guess would be the tough part. Like I had one go under. Uh, Bo had one like under the, the thing. Bo had one on Sunday, hit it and like shoot 30 more yards over. I, I don't. I know the reason why they have those stands there. Cause it feels really like way better for the spectators. Like the theater is pretty cool. But the problem is, is first off, we got to get a ruling every time. Right. Um, the European tour does it better. They have little marked off circles. So we would know immediately where to go to. Um, so they could add that speed up, but it just was like 18. I mean, I'm watching, uh, you know, Hagee. I saw uh, who played uh, somebody who was on, uh, yeah, they hit a bad drive on 18 that when I was walking up 10, they were in our fairway and I watched them drop. And it's like you, on 18, you could blow it. If you hit it far, like, you know, I can't hit it far enough, but if you hit it far, like you could blow it way right. And I'm not saying you're getting a better drop, but all of a sudden you're like left of <laughs> left of the uh, grandstand and, and you're not nearly as, you know, maybe the angle is a little bit better. Maybe it's worse at times, but, but in that case, you know, it looks a little bit better and you get to kind of pick where you're dropping instead of just like, you know, dealer's choice. Uh, and it's just like, wow, like this seems really dumb. And, you know, I, I blew it way left on 17 on Friday and it went under the grandstand and I dropped over, you know, I had, I had all of a sudden I had a pretty good angle and I, you know, pitched to the 40 yarder up to like, you know, a couple feet and kicked it in. I'm like, I looked at Joe, I said, it feels like I just cheated. <laughs> uh, it just feels so wrong. I mean, Bo, Bo, when he hit the, the, the thing and he's like on 15 T I mean, maybe it would have been an easier shot. I don't know, but it didn't look like the angle was all that great. And all of a sudden he gets to move it over. He still had a hard shot, but 
I was like, man, like this just doesn't feel right. But that's the rules. And again, like they're trying to make spectating more fun. And I get that. Um, but it was just this tournament in particular, in particular has grandstands that are like insanely close to the green. So you can bank them off them. And, you know, if you really wanted to, and it fortunately didn't come to that, but there, you know, I'd be lying if I said on 17, both days, I, you know, when I was in the rough, I, I, we were thinking like, well, if you blow it way left, we get to drop it over here. And so, you know, don't worry about left so much. And it's like, wow, it's probably not the best thing to be saying probably not how, how it was designed you gotta play the field we get yeah, but, <laughs> yeah I mean, donald ross is what it is you know i mean i could have hit that thing literally because there's no ob because the other course i could have literally hit that second shot like i mean 300 yards left and <laughs> i mean i would have to drop far from the hole but i would have got to move that thing back over where i wouldn't have to go over you know certain trees or whatever i don't know it's just it's odd but it also looks cool so i mean i don't think it really factors into who's winning <laughs> you know like i don't think that has any real bearing on that but i just found it find it sometimes you know it's like man there's a couple of them like i said the one on 18 you can't really get to the longest guys maybe but i mean that thing was like a yard off the fairway it seemed tight it seemed very tight um i i do have an actual good idea though off my dumb idea about hitting golf shots out of the grandstands so joaquin demon didn't make a bogey until the playoffs so he went full regulation PGA yeah. tour tournament without making a bogey, which is pretty impressive. So I do a, I do a super bowl, uh, like square pool with a buddy of mine. And for every second of the game clock for every second of the super bowl, oh, yeah. if your score hits, you get a dollar. So if you have, you know, 60 seconds of action and the score is your score, you get $60. Now, if you have the whole quarter, you do the math. I mean, what is that? 15 minutes or whatever. And it's, you know, basically times 60. So a lot of money are up for grabs. So my idea is there should be a bogey free belt. I mean, I'm sure you can get a sponsor, the Bud Light bogey free belt. And if you're a bogey free golfer for the whole tournament, then you get the belt until somebody else does it. And every tournament you go through no, without like a bogey free round, it's more money. So let's say it's $5,000 a tournament or $10,000 a tournament or whatever the price might be. You just keep going and keep keep accumulating money until the next person goes bogey free for a tournament. What are your thoughts? I like that. That's a good yeah. That's good. That would that would you know challenge the Aon risk reward challenge. Um, I can't imagine going bogey free for a tournament. Like this was the closest I probably gotten in the sense that I had I should have gone bogey free the first day, I three putt on my last, and then I went bogey free Friday and Sunday, and then had a but then Saturday get like you always are going to have a day where it's just like you have a couple of weird things go on and you make some bogeys. Right. It's, it's, it's unreal. I, I know that there's only been two that have ever won, but I mean, Scott Piercy did it at uh, Houston and, and lost, uh, didn't, didn't get in a playoff loss of Sun King. Obviously Joaquin now has it. It's, it's a crazy feat. There should, there may be even just to take a little wrinkle off yours, maybe instead of this per second, if you do it, maybe you should just get a bonus check from that. And then you also get the belt and then you get to keep the belt. And then you pass that along if somebody else does it, win or lose. Yeah, the 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 belt is in your possession. Twenty grand for no bogeys for a week. <laughs> I mean, that feels fair. I mean, it seems like it should be way more, Max. I mean, I just I no, I, I think be, yeah, I'm not, I don't want to make Bud Light pay for you know. I got you. I got you. Twenty thousand. You get twenty thousand Bud Lights. Maybe that's the thing. Oh, Maybe God. you get twenty thousand Bud <laughs> Lights for money. your fridge. <laughs> better than better money. money. <laughs> Do you have any flights? <laughs> yeah. Well. I have um, <laughs> better the than money. Thing I saw this week 
it wasn't really the best thing I saw, I guess, but it was just the way I saw it. And also the way I was with Gary Woodland when we both kind of saw it was uh, after the Bryson news broke about the caddy thing, um, you know, uh, Brooks uh, Kepka tweeted caddy appreciation day and like a picture of uh, him and, and Ricky, his caddy. And like, you know, he was obviously trolling the hell out of Bryson. And it was right. funny, but the way, <laughs> the way Gary and I saw it <laughs> during the rain delay, was we saw the caddy appreciation first. So like, oh, this is like nice of him, you know, whatever. And then, <laughs> then we found out why he was doing it. So we we saw it back. We found out about it backwards, and we were cracking up. We're like, this is a really randomly nice thing to do. I was like, I didn't know it was caddy appreciation day. So it was kind of on our end. It was even funnier because <laughs> we didn't get it until we got it. This is out of character of Brooks Kapka to just be sending out these random nice it was just out really of nowhere. Random. Yeah, what what a what a what a nice Brooks Kapka thing to do. I've got a feel good Friday, and then I'll, I'll be out of out of the flights. But um, one of my uh, closest friends growing up, Brian, uh, I probably talked about him on here. He had been cancer recently. We very very randomly or. And also recently, I uh, found out two and a half weeks ago, he had like a heart attack. His roommate found him unconscious uh, in the morning. Obviously very scary. They put him in like a self-induced coma and he came out of it. And I guess he's getting discharged, I think, in the next day or two to go home. And he's good. And, you know, I was texting with my buddy and his sisters keep me informed and let me know what's going on. It was really scary. And then uh, I finally found out that he had like, come out of the coma and he was doing pretty well. And, uh, <laughs> I texted him out, you know, while he was in there and I knew he couldn't get up. I was like, Hey, I, you know, I know you might not see this, but just want to let you know, I'm thinking of you, uh, you know, just keep like hanging tough, whatever. I get a text from him. <laughs> He's like, uh, like LFG. So let's F and go. Uh, uh, we made it. <laughs> I'm back or something. And I'm like, that's the coolest <laughs> come out of a heart attack, scary coma text of all time. Like I'm back. We made it. What, no, he said, we made it. What a week. <laughs> I was like, Jesus. Good man, on him. Different. What a good attitude. So I cool. like so, his yeah, tune so a lot. Going home today or tomorrow, which is nice. <laughs> that, is, that, is, that, that is, that's, that's great. Uh, before we go, Max, um, first open championship next week. Is that next week? Yeah. Next week, I believe Saturday. Um, you leave Saturday. What, uh, what are you doing? Like, what do you do anything? Are you working on anything to prep for this? Any club changes, any bag changes, anything like that? Three iron, no seven would probably. And Joe told me to find the slowest greens in Arizona and putt on those and then practice a lot of bump and runs <laughs> on slow greens. So Perfect. he's giving me the update. Perfect. Joe told me he's the greatest British open caddy, uh, of all time. So. Are you excited about it? I mean, I, I can only imagine you are, but like just the experience and the different style of golf and all that. I mean, are you fired up? I'll probably get yelled at for this. I am really excited to see what like Lynx golf is over there. I'm excited to get rained on and like all the wind. Like I'm really amped on all that. The experience is going to suck. <laughs> just because all the we, COVID uh, stuff and everything? I know the Ricky thing. Yeah. I, I mean, Lacey's not allowed to come. I have to quarantine in my room every day. I get tested. I got to test before I go, when I get there. And then every three days, um, we are truly, I I'm staying. Th thankfully I didn't know I needed to like, you know, we've been getting updates every few days about like the rules and all this, but, uh, like I'm staying at a host hotel, uh, by the course. And I found out that it's only for the players. So that if, so if I am in that hotel, I can go to dinner at that hotel with 
other players, I think, um, but like up to four or something like that. But if I were to be renting a house, I'm not allowed to leave the house. Wow. Uh, and I can't come to even our hotel, I guess, because it's like our own bubble. So the experience, I'm pretty bummed. Like, I was really excited. I've never been to Europe, man. Like, um, I was excited to go, like, see London. I was excited to go to Lacey. I was excited to just, like, you know, like, I don't know, see what another part of the world looks like. And so that part's going to not be great. Um, but I'm really excited for the golf. I just never I, – I have no idea what I'm getting into, so that'll be cool. Obviously, you you know a lot about that over there. Um, but I guess it'll be nice because my first like real, real open will be at St. Andrews, which will be, um, you know, obviously uh, experience of a lifetime. So, but this will, this will be a straight up golf trip. <laughs> we will be doing nothing else. <laughs> it's just fe- like, to me, this golf just feels like it fits you so well. I, I just am so excited yeah. to watch you play Lynx golf because I feel like the, the golf is, it's ball strike and it's creativity. I feel like you're going to be excited about the thinking. You know what I'm saying? Like just having to kind of yeah, think agree. differently. I'm I'm so pumped for you uh, to play in this open. And, and it's been like the tournament I've circled this year as the most excited max watching I'm going to have, because like I said, I, I just feel like y- you and Lynx golf are about to start a relationship that'll last a very long time. Yeah, I definitely think, I mean, again, I haven't been over there, but I definitely think like of all the styles where I feel like I'd have, the most fun, which, which is clearly been what's helped me play golf is, is that style, like windy controlling trajectory. I'm a, like, you know, my game is my iron play and I really enjoy like hitting shots. So that you have to do that there because of the weather typically. But um, tell me if you agree with this, every time I've ever seen, or every time I ever like watched the uh, like British open on TV, whether I was a kid or an adult, I feel like when I like the coverage ends. I like run to the golf course to go hit like low, you know, <laughs> iron shots and like hooks and draws. Did you feel like that? I feel like it's Absolutely. Because the, the style of golf is like, it makes you itch to go like hit some balls. And, and, and to hit different shots. Like you said, you're, you're yeah. out there and you're like, surely I can hit this trap two iron, 270 like tiger. And then sure. and you're, you're hitting these ones that like, for me, almost hit my right ankle and you go, Oh, it's not that easy. <laughs> yeah. I got it. I got it. But I, I'm with you. I, there is, for the golf passionate, there is no better golf maybe in all the year than than post open championship watching golf. A hundred percent. When you sneak I out after, it's That's so why great. I'm, I'm amped on that. And yeah, like you said, I love I I, I love Lynx golf on TV. So I got it. I'm sure I'm going to love it in person. Yeah, and just so you know, you actually shouldn't do that. You shouldn't play the British and then go play golf that afternoon. I would say conserve your energy. Oh. Don't go. I will not. Don't go. Don't go try to try shots. You just tried on the golf course after, um, since you're going to be locked in a hotel. And since this is your first links golf experience, if we can find time next week, let's do like 20 or 30 after one of your early, early practice rounds. Cause I'd love just to get your thoughts on what it was like and like maybe yeah. what you, what you expected versus the reality of it. You know what I'm saying? So if yeah. we can find time Monday or Tuesday, I'd love to do that. Cause I think it'd be a lot of fun. Yeah, that'd be cool. Uh, I, I, I hear Royal St. George's isn't many of the people's favorite course in the Rota, but I think that's kind of cool in the sense that like, I've, I've never been over there. What's well, so going really to be your favorite much. It's going to be your favorite for sure. Balance it off. It's like going to your first, if I only play one course in the world and it was like Vista Valencia, but like, this is the coolest golf course I've ever been to. <laughs> Not knowing that, you know, Revere is down the road. Listen, I got a great <laughs> idea for you. Here's a, here's a late, a late ad to our flights. Um, you need to get on the UK media's side here 
early in the week, tell a whole bunch of journalists, this is your favorite Lynx course you've ever played and just lean into it. Like really heavy lean into yeah, it. I love it. I've never, like this place is it. unbelievable. I, I've never seen a course like this before. And then just never give into the fact that this is, you know, the first time you've been in Europe and first time playing over there. And then all of the English fans are going to be big fans of Max Homa. There you go. I love it. Yeah. I, I'll say this is my favorite course east of New York. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, which also just reminded me of one of my favorite Bermuda. tweets of all time. Uh, oh, I did. I did play Bermuda. Well, I, this will be my, this will still be my okay, favorite. Perfect. That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of my favorite tweets of all time is when uh, Kyrie Irving was talking about how the world's flat and how can you prove it? And somebody said, well, uh, Kyrie, you could fly both East and West to get to Australia. <laughs> that always made me laugh. <laughs> and he's like, damn, I got nothing. That, that got yeah, me. Yeah, right. That's it. You won. You won the argument. Uh, awesome. Well, Hey, listen, I'm pumped about it. Hopefully we can find some time next week early. Uh, good tournament. Uh, you know, there are little moments, Max, where I know you didn't play great on Saturday. and I know you were looking for more out of maybe the weekend than you did, but like, I always like, I was talking to Cindy yesterday and I go, first of all, you played, I thought you played a solid round on Sunday, but let's just say one of the four days didn't go your way and you still finished top 25. You know, those are positives. I mean, that to me is a positive thing. Now I know it's not always easy to take that away as a positive but to me it's like maybe three years ago if you had one bad day you weren't going to finish top 25 you know so that's that's the way I kind of look at it yeah 100 percent. I think uh Joe and I were talking about I think 80 percent or 90 percent or something this year of our um of our uh made cuts we finished in the top 25 which I think is good it means that when you know you're playing good you're playing good and this tour really is I hate it because I love making cuts and like feeling consistent and Tiger maybe put that into all of our heads of just like what greatness really is. But the, this tour is about making, you make 80% of your money and 20% of your starts and you're going to, it's better to, uh, the formula really is to do what I'm doing right now, which is to miss cuts and, and when you're not playing great and when you're playing good, you go eat it up. So it's fun going out there. And yeah, like you said, I, I played, you know, didn't have anything working on, Saturday, but you know, made made you know minor the you know minorly the most of it. If I would have put well, you know, Sunday, you never know, could have could have moved. But I'm with you. Like it, it is. That's the see. That's the fun part about golf. I guess is as much as I kind of complained about it in the sense that you can have these weeks that aren't great, but you can always find like this little. Maybe this is the actual frustrating part about golf. You can find these little reasons to be excited about. <laughs> things right. at all times it's so odd i mean i left both the u.s open and travelers stoked on my golf game uh you know not stoked on everything else and it's like man how can you feel that way when you just miss two cuts in a row but it's like well because that's golf you know i know i'm hitting it good it's just the ball doesn't want to go in so it's both mind-numbing and um uh, i guess why we all love this this crazy ass game uh, don't hit it in the bunkers over there. That's just a game. Joe probably okay, won't. I, Joe okay. probably won't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Write that. If you can, I'll text that to you as well. But yeah. uh, if Joe doesn't bring that up next week, just a reminder, it would yeah, benefit you to stay out of them. No, no. Yeah, it's just, uh, just again, this is a really insider links golf. Only caddies that have spent time over there would know that. But uh, yeah, I would say definitely avoid the bunkers. Uh, have a great, have a great trip. I'm excited about uh, the open. I'm excited to watch it. Good playing at the Rocket Mortgage, and we will chat next week. Hey, cheerio. Cheerio, mate. Oh, Wash your hands. It's <laughs> <laughs> the worst. It's the worst. That's the worst English accent ever, ever said cheerio. on a podcast. That was good. There you go. All right. Talk Harry to you guys. Potter.
Get a Grip with Max Homa and Shane Bacon is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.